Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna share some things tonight uh, from the third Psalm. If you want to turn with me tonight to Psalm Psalm number three, and uh, boy, I tell you, yeah, I believe it was yesterday morning. Uh, I come over to the church every morning and have my prayer time, and and yesterday morning in prayer, the Lord just impressed this Psalm on me uh, up on my heart. And uh, there's a uh, uh, there's a song um, that that goes along with this with this psalm. And uh, again, don't don't worry, I'm not going to try to sing. But uh, there's a psalm that a song that goes along with this. And uh, a lot of times we'll play that we'll play that that song in our prayer time in our prayer. Uh, meetings, our prayer services, um, but uh, it's it's uh, he's my glory and the lifter up of my head. It comes from Psalm number three, and so I'm going to read. I'm going to read this psalm. May read the whole thing. All right, if nobody's in a hurry. But um, Psalm number three is a psalm of David. It says, "When he fled from Absalom, his son." So let's begin with verse number one, Psalm three and verse one. He said, Lord, how are they increased that troubled me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. You're my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. And he heard me out of his holy hill. I laid me down and slept. I awakened, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all my enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. Praise God. Oh man, I tell you what, there's just some, some tremendous truths that, uh, that are in this Psalm of David. And in this Psalm, when you begin to read this, this third Psalm, uh, the sweet singer of Israel, the the psalmist David, uh, you can tell right off that he's having himself a case of the blues. I'm sure that none of you all ever have uh, gotten the blues before. I'm not talking about the hockey team, but I'm sure none of you have ever gotten the blues. But uh, but David was 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 having him a, a case of the blues. He was. He was a little bit down in the dumps, and you can tell from what he's, what the way he's, uh, the way he's talking here at the beginning of this psalm. But what was taking place was this was the occasion where, uh, where Absalom, uh, David's son, had uh, had usurped authority over the king, had stolen the hearts of the people, and um, had literally driven David from. The throne and had taken taken the throne, placed himself as king, and now David again is on on the run for his life. You know, David had spent many years running from Saul, and now here he's been banished from Jerusalem, banished from the throne, and here he is now running from Absalom, who, by the way, Absalom's desire was to kill his dad, and so David is uh, in a place where he's really feeling he's he's feeling bad. Things are not looking good in David's life right at this particular time. He was in a place where it actually seemed like that God had turned his back on him, like that God wasn't there, and he was tr- he was facing some tremendous uh, tremendous problems in his life. When you read, uh, begin reading this psalm in verse 1 and 2, David describes his troubles uh, this way. He says, he says, O Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. 
So David, in describing his, his situation and describing his troubles, uses the words increased and many. And he's saying by those words, we, we can see that trouble is just, just absolutely overflowing David's life. I mean, he's, he's in this thing deep. It's a terrible situation. His troubles and what he was facing here, was they were real and they were insurmountable. And, and uh, he was going to have to have God. If he's getting out of this, he's going to have to have God to move in a miraculous way in order to get him out. But there's something that's, that's really encouraging here in this psalm as we read it. And that is that, uh, that David only sang the blues for two verses. And you know what? Uh, and then, you know, starting with verse 3, he starts to come out of it. He sings the blues for two verses, and then there's a shift uh, starting with verse 3 in his mood. There's a change that takes place in, in his attitude. I mean, the problems were still there. The situation was still the same. But David has a change of his attitude and a change of mood. And uh, he knew what to do in this situation. I mean, this wasn't the first time that David had been in a difficult spot. And all through his life, I mean, he had, in everything that he had faced and all the trouble that he had been through in his life, David had always, he had learned to always depend upon the Lord and trust in the Lord. Uh, in the middle of that trouble. And this situation was no different. This may have seemed like a, um, you know, something um, more unique, and it was a situation that, that seemed more impossible. But David still, even in the midst of this, was putting his trust in God. He knew what to do in this situation, and that was to look to the Lord. He'd learned to bring God his problems. My, that's something. You know, I know, you know, I know we say this a lot, but I think that this is something that you and I need to be uh, reminded of so often is that we must always bring those problems, our troubles, and our situations to the Lord and, and uh, let Him take care of it and trust Him to take care of it in our life. Now, in verse number 2, it says there that uh, everyone was, uh, was saying that David was forsaken. Notice that in verse number two, David said that, that there were many uh, that, that were saying of his soul, there is no help for him in God. This, is, this was what people were saying about David's situation. This is how dire it was. This is how, 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 how serious the problem was. That the people that were seeing what was going on here were even saying, there's no help for him. There, God himself can't even help David and get him out of this situation. And you know, I've, I've, in my life, I've saw... Um, I've saw people go through a lot of bad things, and uh, I've saw people go through, and I myself, Vicki and I have went through situations and experienced things in our lives that uh, where we've said, uh, well, you know, uh, God's the only one that can get us out of this. God's the only one that can help us through this. God's the only one that can save us through this. And, um, you know, I've seen people go through things, and I've said that about uh, different ones. I know you have too. Well, God's the only one that can get this individual or out of this problem or solve this situation. But you know what? I've never saw a situation in my life or anybody else's life so bad that I said, well, not even God can help them in this. God can't even get them out of this. I don't think I've ever saw that situation or ever said that. But this was the word on the street concerning David, that there wasn't any way that God could even help him in the situation he was facing. That the God who was more than enough, the God who was more than able to help and to rescue and to deliver was not going to help David. And you know what? That's what the enemy is saying to a lot of people today. Your situation's just, you know, it's a little unique. It's too difficult for God. God can't even help you through this. 
But uh, can, I, can I just encourage you today? Maybe the enemy's told you that, that there's no help for you in God, that God's given up on you. God's not going to help you in this situation. But can I just give you a word of encouragement tonight and let you know that praise God, the Lord is not giving up on you. If you won't quit, He won't quit. If you'll stay the course and keep trusting Him, He'll be there with you and He'll bring you through. Amen. Can I get an amen tonight? Praise God. Um, C.H. Spurgeon said that it's the most bitter of all afflictions to be led to fear that there is no help for us in God. The most bitter of all afflictions to be led to fear that there is no help for us in God. So listen, ladies and gentlemen, don't fall into that lie of the enemy that, uh, that God is, is, is not going to help you because the Bible tells us that God is an ever-present or a very present help in the time of trouble. Amen? I mean, uh, I love that verse in Psalm 46. God is our, uh, our refuge. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and our fortress. He's a very present help in the time of trouble. So we have to learn to do what David did uh, when he was in this situation. Verse 4 said he cried to the Lord. He said, I cried to the Lord with my voice, and the Lord heard me. So you can be assured that God wants to help you, that God has not forsaken you, and no matter what you're going through or facing in your life tonight, that, uh, that, that there is, listen, there is help and hope for you in God. You know, the Bible says in First Chronicles 16 and 9, it says that the eyes of the Lord are, are, are going to and fro throughout the whole earth, uh, just looking for someone that he can show himself strong in their behalf to help them. So if you, if you need some help tonight in a situation that you're facing, facing uh, just know that God is there for you and he's there to help you. Now, um, I want to look a little bit here in this psalm to, uh, to what David was doing here, starting in verse 3. When he makes this, when he makes this shift and this transition in, in his moods and things begin to change, and he begins to get a different look at his situation, and um, he's looking, David goes, starting with verse 3, David goes from a crisis to a confidence. Amen? He goes from a crisis to a confidence. And how does he do that? How does he, how does he make this transition? Because, I mean, in verse 1 and 2, he's talking about, the, he, he said, they've increased that trouble me. Many there are that rise up against me. Many they are. Everybody's saying there's no help for me in God. And, and then you get to verse 3, and, and there's a transition. He says, but... Oh, thank God for that. But here's a here's here's kind of a it doesn't actually say but God, but here is a but God situation. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of my head. Do you notice here uh, how David goes from crisis to confidence? He turned his attention. Do you notice what he does here? And this, is, this is a lesson we've got to learn. He turns his attention from his enemies and gets his attention focused on God. He turns his attention from his, his, his problem and from his enemies and turns toward the Lord. He actually shifts his focus to God from his trouble to God. I know that's not a profound revelation, folks, but I tell you what, it's something that you and I need to learn, and it's something that we need to be reminded of all the time, amen, uh, to learn how to get our, to, to, to focus our attention upon the Lord, praise God. So he shifts his focus, and this is a lesson we've got to learn. Um, um, uh, 
one of the commentaries that I was reading um, today, um, or the other day on Psalms, the commentator made this uh, statement. He said this, and I and I wrote it down because uh, it blessed it blessed my soul. But uh, it's James Montgomery Boyce, and he made this he made this comment, and he said, "When a believer gazes too long at his enemies." The forces arrayed against him seem to grow in size until it appears to be overwhelming. But when he turns his thoughts to God, God is seen in his true great stature and the enemies shrink to manageable proportions. Well, praise God. I tell you what, that just about that just about makes me shout. I don't know if that done anything for anybody else or not, but that blessed me. And that is our problem, folks, is we spend time, too much time, gazing too long at our enemies and at our problems. And when we do that, the forces that are arrayed against us grow in size and they become over, overwhelming. The more you focus on your trouble and the more you focus on your problem and meditate and think about your situation, how bad it is, what I'm going to do, and you begin to worry and fret about it, then it, it comes to the place where it, it begins to be overwhelming in your life. But when you turn your thoughts toward God, when you begin to get in the Word of God, then you see God as He really is. How big, how much bigger He is than your problem, than your situation, than your circumstance. Amen. Praise God. You see God in, in His true stature and how big He is and how powerful and how mighty He is. That's why, uh, you know, we've got to, we've got to control um, our, our, our focus of our, our mind and our thoughts and keep focused on the Lord. Amen? And when we do that, then God gets bigger. God, God gets bigger and God gets magnified. He's magnified in our life and our enemies. I love that line where, 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 where Dr. Boyce says, the enemies shrink to manageable proportions. Praise God. You can manage your problems. You can manage your enemies. You can manage your situation. When you've got your focus turned toward the Lord, and that's exactly what David did. That's how come you see that transition and that change there from verse 2 into verse 3 because he begins to focus his attention and his, his, his thoughts upon the Lord and who God is. And the more you focus on the Lord, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you're denying the situation or the circumstances, but it's, but it's realizing that the God that you serve has got you and, and he is greater than your problem. Amen. You know, we see that same, that same principle in uh, the book of Numbers when the spies went in to, to, uh, to search out and to spy out the land of Canaan. And uh, they spent 40 days in the land of Canaan spying out the land. And uh, when they came back, they came back with uh, a cluster of grapes. I mean, I, I mean, grapes as big as your fist or bigger. Uh, it was a cluster of grapes that had to be borne by, carried by two men on a staff between two men. I mean, they saw the land of promise. They saw the land of Canaan that God had promised to them. And uh, man, they came back after 40 days and they gave a report to Moses and to the people of Israel. And they said, yeah, boy, that land is just exactly uh, what, uh, what, what God said it was. That, that land is, it's a land that flows with milk and honey. But there's just one problem. It's a good land. It's a wonderful place. But there's just one problem. We got over there and we saw the children of Anak there. We saw giants in the land. Oh, and we got to looking at those giants and they're stronger than we are and they're more powerful than we are. And uh, I tell you what, we, we were as grasshoppers in their sight. When we looked at them, we were as grasshoppers in their sight and we were also grass as grasshoppers even in our own sight. Do you see, do you see the principle there? The more they focused on the giants the smaller they felt that they were. 
the less they focused on God. Amen? But they, they, they got a they got a grasshopper complex. Glory to God. I think there's a lot of Christians today that have a grasshopper complex. And, uh, you know, they see themselves as the grasshopper and the devil and their problems as the giant that cannot be overcome, that cannot be defeated. That is that problem that's insurmountable. Don't know what we're going to do. Oh, it's just it. our troubles have increased. Our problems are so many. Everything's falling apart. Well, I'll tell you what, there was two guys out of those 12 spies, 10 of them brought back that negative report. But there were two guys that was in that group by the name of Joshua and Caleb. How many knows what I'm talking about? Joshua and Caleb, they said, oh no, they stealed everybody. They said, oh no, no, yeah, there's giants there. We saw them, but their defense has departed from them. God's on our side. God's promised this, this promised us this land. Those 10 spies gave that evil report that they couldn't defeat the giants, that there was no way that they could conquer the land. But Joshua and Caleb said, we can do it because God is with us. God will see us through. God will make a way. Praise the Lord. See, that's what David was doing here. Joshua and Caleb, you know, they saw the giants, but they focused on God. And that's what David began to do here. He got his eyes off the situation and focused on the Lord. See, when your eyes are on God, when your eyes are on the Lord, the giants will look small. Praise God. But when you focus on the giant and on the problem, um, man, I'm telling you, your, your, your vision of God and your faith in God begins to dwindle. You know, the same thing happened to Peter when he stepped out of the boat Jesus bid him, you know, they're out there in the ship on, uh, on the Sea of Galilee and the waves are tossing and the, the, the sea is roaring and that ship's going back and forth and Jesus comes to them at the fourth watch of the night walking on the water and uh, they first thought it was a spirit, thought it was a ghost, you know, and, and uh, 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 Jesus cried out to him, said, no, it's, it's me, it's I, be not afraid. And Peter said, remember, he said, well, Lord, if it's really you, uh, tell me to come out there to you. And uh, so Jesus said, come on, come on. And so Peter steps out of the boat and he begins to walk on the water. But then uh, uh, then as he's walking on the water, he gets his eyes. You know, as long as he looked at Jesus, he's doing fine. But when he began to look down and he saw the waves and he saw the wind, you know, the, the waves and the wind and that storm was there all the time. But he, he was kindly oblivious to it because he was focus, focusing his attention on the Lord. But when he began to look at the situation around him, then he began to sink. He began, he began to sink and go down. He, he, he wasn't walking on top of the water anymore. But when he cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, save me, Jesus reached down, picked him up. He, Jesus was there. He didn't let him drown, amen? And he took him back. They both walked together back to the boat. So the point is, this is how you make that transition. This is how you turn a crisis into a confidence. You've got to shift your focus from the problem to the Lord. Yeah, the problem's there. Yeah, David was still in exile. Yes, he was still under, his life was still being threatened. Absalom still wanted him dead. He was off the throne and Absalom was on the throne. None of that had changed except David changed his focus and stopped looking at the problem and began to look to God and who God was to him. And what David begins to say, he begins to talk then about who God was to him. See, the people were saying, David's been forsaken by God. God himself can't even help him. But David refuted that. When he heard that talk that everybody said, saying, and David said, there was many that said, there is no help for him in God. And David, David, you know, he could have sat down and said, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, I tell you, poor old me. God himself won't even help me. But he didn't do that. Praise God. When everybody was saying, 
when everybody was saying there's no help for him in God, David said, no, that's not true. I refute that. That's not the way it is. I don't care what they say. He said, praise God, thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. You're my glory and you are the lifter up of my head. Praise God, I'm about to shout right here in this office. Ain't room enough for me to have a spell in here tonight. Amen. Praise God. Listen to me. That verse number three, thou art a shield for me, Lord. You're my glory and the lifter up of my head. Let me tell you something. These are not the words of an individual of a man who has been forsaken by God, but these are the words of a man that knows God personally. These are the words of a man who knows knows who God is. These are the words of a man who knows, hallelujah, what God is to him and what God can do for him. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what I want to encourage you with tonight. Praise God. We may go, be going through a, a crisis situation right now. We may be going through a terrible time right now in our nation. But I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me tonight. God is still a shield for you. He's still your glory. He is still the lifter up of your head. You need to let him lift up your head tonight. Praise God. And give you some joy and give you some victory and give you some peace because God Almighty, your God, your Father is still on the throne tonight. Come on, somebody. You need to turn and that shift that focus. Turn that, that crisis that we're in into a confidence in God and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, praise the Lord. I'm about to get happy. I don't know if anybody else is or not. But uh, praise God. Notice what he said though. David said who God was who God was to him. He said, number one, he said, God is my, what did he say? He said, God is my shield. He's my shield. He is a shield for me. You know what it means to shield somebody or what a shield is. Um, you use that word, you know, to, I'm going to shield somebody. or, or um, uh, It means to cover. It means to protect from danger. It means to defend. So when God is referred to as a shield, it's referring to God as being our covering. It's referring to God as being our protector. I know, you know, you hear people, I've heard people say, well, this, this preacher's my covering or this church is my covering or, or so-and-so's my covering. Well, you know, I thank God for, for churches and ministries and preachers and all that, but there's not a preacher that's my covering or there's not a denomination that's my covering and there's not a church that's my covering. Do you know who my covering is? My, my covering is the Lord. My covering is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. God himself is a shield. He's my shield. He's my covering. Hallelujah. And he's your covering as well. Praise God. The Bible says in Psalm 84, 11, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory and no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly before him. Praise the name of the Lord. He's your shield tonight. That's what David was saying. I've got all this against me, but, but the Lord is my shield. Now, you know what you use a shield for? If you, if you think about a shield, uh, you know, you think back to the Bible days when they were uh, going to battle and going to war and they had their arrows, their bows, their arrows, their spears, their javelins, their swords, and they, they, they battled and they fought with those weapons. And um, those were the offensive weapons, but the defensive weapon that was given or the defensive, the, the part of, of, of armor that they would wear, which was defensive, was the shield. The shield was given to them to protect them. The shield was given to them to deflect the arrows and the spears when they were in combat and an arrow was shot at them. The shield would be held up and it would, it would deflect the arrows. It would deflect uh, the javelin or the sword and they would raise that shield up and it would be a protection so that they would not be wounded or killed in battle. But there was something about, there was something about the, the shields 
uh, of that day that were used in battle. And that was that that shield could only provide limited protection. Amen? I mean, the, 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 the soldier had the shield out in front of him and he would hold it up or to the side wherever the attack was coming from. But it would only protect, he could only use that shield to protect one side at a time. But you know what? The Lord is a little different than that. Uh, with, when you say, the Lord is my shield, praise God, the Lord's shield is not just in front of you, or not just here, or here, but the Lord's shield is all around you. I think it's interesting, in that verse he said, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. The King James says, art a shield. And then there's a little, a little reference number there in my Bible that uh, points over to the to, to the reference or to the center column in the margin, and it says about. In other words, he was saying, he was saying, Thou, O Lord, are a shield about me. In the New King James, uh, in the marginal reference note for that says, You are a shield around me. Hallelujah. I looked uh, in a couple of other uh, a couple of other translations. The New American Standard said, You are a shield about me. And the, NS, the ESV said, you are a shield about me. What does that mean? It means when God is shielding you and shielding your life, it's not just a shield in front or in the side at one place, at one place at a time, but God surrounds you. Oh, hallelujah. He shields you from every side and he covers you from every side. Can I tell you something tonight, saints of God? We have complete and total and unfailing protection from God against the evil day that we're living in today. I, I think I need to say that again because, you know, I'm not, I'm not denying at all the circumstances, the situation that we're in. You know, uh, we're, uh, we're doing, we're following all the guidelines. We're washing our hands and we're using hand sanitizer and my wife is making hand sanitizer and we're practicing our social distancing and we're doing all those things uh, using the wisdom. But I'm telling you what, I'm telling you what, I still believe tonight that God is a shield around His people. And we need to believe that. There's no reason at all for us to be afraid or to be fearful of any situation that's going on in the world. No matter what we're faced with, praise God, He, our God, is our shield of protection against the evil day that comes against us. Well, praise God. You know, in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, the Apostle Paul talks about the full armor of God. The Apostle Paul talks there about the, um, the attacks of the enemy. He talks about the evil day, um, and that evil day being the day of attack, that evil day being the day that, uh, that Satan comes against you, and we're all going to face those, those days. But Paul, writing there in, in Ephesians 6, he admonishes the church at Ephesus, and which is for you and I as well today, to, to be strong in the Lord, the power of His might, and to, to put on the whole armor of God, to take up and to put on the whole armor of God, the full armor of God. And in that armor, uh, he, he mentions the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation and our feet shod with the, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He talks about our loins being girt about with the truth and, and uh, you know, those different pieces of armor, which are all defensive pieces. But then he says, uh, he says in verse 16 of that sixth chapter of Ephesians, after he's given the armor of God, he says, above all, okay? Above all. In other words, don't, don't forget this piece. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. He said that, 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 that above everything, take the shield of faith. Faith, what, you know, faith in 
your faith's got to be in the proper object, of course, obviously. And it's our faith in the finished work of Christ, what Jesus has done for us at Calvary, our faith anchored in Him and in His Word, hallelujah, and in His victory and in His promises. But He said, you lift up that shield of faith. And with that shield, that shield will protect you. Faith is the victory, the Bible says, that overcomes the world. Praise the Lord. And that faith will protect you. That faith will guard you. And it said that the fa- that shield will quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. Every fiery arrow that Satan shoots at you to attack your mind. That's basically where he's shooting at with those with those fiery arrows, shooting at your mind, shooting at your thoughts, trying to bring you down, trying to turn you away from God, trying to distract you, trying to, to get you to focus on the problems of life that you're dealing with. But praise God, there's a shield. Oh, hallelujah. When everybody says, God, God can't help you. When everybody says, that they, that there's just no hope for you. Oh, there's a shield. Hallelujah. God is your shield and your buckler and he will guard you and he will protect you and he will he will quench every fiery dart of the wicked that comes against your life. I think somebody ought to shout amen out there at the house with me tonight. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. He is. Ah, hallelujah. He is. You are, oh Lord, you are a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of my head. So David is saying, this is, this is who God is to me. This is what God is to me. I know that I've got a, my son's got a, got, got a plan to take my life. I've been driven from the throne. Shimei has cursed me and everything else. And, 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 and David left, when he left Jerusalem, the Bible said that he, he left with his head covered. He left and went up the side of the Mount of Olives weeping and barefoot. I mean, it was a, it was a time of, of disgrace and dishonor. And he said, I I know all that's going on, but God, you are a shield for me. Hallelujah. And then he said, you're my glory. You're my glory. Hallelujah. Well, what does he mean by that? When he said, Lord, you're my glory, he's speaking of, of dignity and honor. See, as I said, David had been banished from the throne and he had been exiled in shame and in disgrace. And David is saying that uh, he is saying that his honor and glory is not in his throne. He's saying, you know what? The the glory is is not the honor and the glory is not in my throne. The glory is not in my armies. The glory is I don't glory in my riches, but but the Lord is his glory. He was saying, the Lord, you are my glory. You're my shield and you're my glory. And what he was saying was this. He was saying, you know what? If I never get back on the throne, if I never get back in the palace, if that never works out, if I'm banished for the rest of my life, God, you're still my glory. I'll still glory in you. Hallelujah. It's not about the throne in Jerusalem. It's not about being king, but it's about having a personal relationship with you and knowing the true king of heaven and earth, the Lord God Almighty. God, you are my glory. Hallelujah. In the midst of everything that's going on in my life. Can you say that tonight? Amen. Can you say that tonight? That no matter what I'm going through, I'm going to glory in the Lord. See, listen, all of our glorying, all of our boasting, all of our our exalting, it all must be in the Lord, in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you know that's the problem. I, I, I'm running out of time. I've got to got to go here in a little bit. But but that's our problem in America today. That's one of the problems we've got. Everything we do, we're glorying in ourselves. We're not really giving God any credit or any glory for anything. I don't know if this is actually a fact. I saw a little clip some people had on Facebook of 
of the governor of New York uh, making a statement about, uh, about, I guess it was about the decrease, the, the numbers of coronavirus um, people in New York were it was on a decline and and it, it might have been something taken out of context but anyway they had him saying um, that we did this God didn't do this we did this so whatever he was talking about he did make that statement well see that's that's the problem that's the attitude that's the spirit of this whole nation it's all about us it's what we do it's how we're going to build the economy how we're going to do this how listen we need to we need to make God our glory because if God doesn't help us, if God's not the one that's helping us, if He's not the one that's shielding us, we're in some big trouble, ladies and gentlemen. Amen? And so all of our glory and our boasting and our bragging and our praise, everything has got to be in the Lord. Hallelujah. I will glory in Him. I will give Him the praise. That's what David is saying. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 31, he said, He that glorieth let him glory in the Lord. Paul went on in Galatians 6 and 14 to say, but God forbid that I should glory except or save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only glorying we need to be glorying in today is in God and in the finished work of Christ and in the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? So David said, you're a shield for me. This is who you are in the midst of my trouble. You're a shield for me. You're my glory. You're the one that I'm going to praise. And then he said, the Lord is, you're the lifter up of my head. Oh, hallelujah. See, David, as I said, fled Jerusalem weeping and barefoot with his head covered in grief and in pain and in shame and in defeat. His head was hung low. Nothing he, there's, there was absolutely nothing that he could do to lift up his head in victory. He was feeling down. I mean, he was dejected and he was feeling down. And, um, you know, we all get that way. Amen. You know, we, we try to encourage people sometimes, say, oh, come on, get your head up, get your chin up, get your chin up. Amen. But, you know, it's easy. It's easy for us when things are going bad to get get the get in the gloom and get our head down and and uh, that's kind of where where David was. But uh, even though his head was hung low, nothing nothing that he could do to lift it up. He said, even in the midst, he said, I'll tell you what. He said, I, I maybe can't lift my head up myself, but thank God when I can't lift my head up, when I'm too low and too discouraged to do it, my God is the lifter up of my head. Hallelujah. The Lord was his lifter. His, the Lord was the one that got him looking up again. Praise the Lord. This was when his, this is where his focus changed. This is where his focus, his, his, this is where his crisis began to turn into a confidence. God lifted his head. Praise the Lord. Listen, in Bible times, uh, the, the subjects, um, you know, under the, under a monarchy would, bowed before the king. If they were brought before the king in their case, they, their case was to be judged. And as the monarch would stand over them to judge their case, if he sided against them, if that king sided against that individual and judged against him, the king would put his foot on the neck of that person and press his, his, his neck and his head to the ground. And that was a sign that uh, that individual had been condemned. But on the other hand, when that monarch would hear the, the case of that person, if that king, oh, I'm about to shout now, if that king sided in that person's favor and he vindicated that individual, you know how he showed him that he had the favor of the king? Oh, hallelujah. You know how that king showed him that he was that he was he was on his side, that he was vindicating him? That king would reach down and he would lift the head of that subject. He would lift the head of that individual, showing that he that person had the favor 
favor of the king. And that's exactly, listen to me, saints, that's exactly what David was saying. He was saying, listen, my life's in a mess, but I've presented my case before the Lord, and I know that he is for me. You know how I know that he's for me? Because he has lifted up my head. Glory to God. I'm encouraged. I'm not, I'm not looking down anymore. I've got the up look. The Bible says in Psalm 121, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. Oh, come on, saints. It's time to lift up our heads and lift up our eyes and lift up the hands that hang down and strengthen the feeble knees. And it's time, praise God, to to glorify the Lord. He is our shield. He is our glory. And praise God tonight, He is the lifter up of our head. And that is what God wants to do for you tonight. He wants to pull you out of the mully grubs. Somebody said, what's the mully grubs? I don't know, but I've been there and it isn't, it isn't fun. Praise God. God wants to pick you up and, and lift you up out of the mully grubs and lift your drooping head and give you that upward look. Praise God, where you're not looking down, but your head is up. And you can say, I know the Lord is on my side. I know He's got this. I know He's going to see me through. Praise God. He will answer your prayer. Listen, listen, listen. I've got to close. But but listen to what he said here in verses 4 through 6. Listen, when, when, when David got this turnaround, when his focus began to change, in verse 4 through 6, we see what God, did for him and what God will do for you. First in verse 4 he said God will answer our prayers. He said I cried to the Lord with my ver- voice and he heard me out of his holy hill. David said in Psalm 34 6 and we sing this Psalm 34 song every once in a while and I love it. I, I, I got to reading this verse today and got to singing that song to myself. Psalm 34 and 6 David said this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Let me tell you something. You say, Brother Rick, I've been praying, but it doesn't seem like it's doing any good. Listen, you hang in there. You keep calling on the Lord. You commit yourself to Him, to live for Him, and you pray. I'm telling you, He, as He heard David, He will hear you. He will save you. He will deliver you out of all your troubles. Praise God. I love what C.H. Spurgeon said. Spurgeon said, We need not fear a frowning world while we rejoice in a prayer hearing God. Did you hear that? We need not fear a frowning world. Hallelujah. While we rejoice in a prayer hearing God. God will hear your prayer. Second thing God will do is what He did for David. God will give you peace. I said He'll give you peace. Verse 5, David said, you know what David did in the midst of all this? After he changed his focus, verse 5 said, he said, I just laid down and went to sleep. Praise God. I just laid down, laid me down and slept. He wasn't up pacing the floor all night. He wasn't up worrying and and fretting and stewing all night long and uh, wondering what was going to happen. He just laid down. He had committed this to the Lord and he went to sleep because the Lord sustained him. He knew that God was under control and in control of his life and his situation. He had it. God had it under control. So he said, I just, well, go ahead and go to sleep. Ain't no needing both of God's going to be up all night taking care of me. Ain't no needing both of us staying up. I'll just go to sleep and get me some sleep. Praise God. Amen. Kind of like Jesus, you know, on that, on that boat in the storm. The disciples were having a fit because of the storm, afraid they was going to perish. And there Jesus was, piled up and sleep on a pillow in the back of the boat. He wasn't afraid. He wasn't worried. He had peace in the situation. Kind of like old Peter when when Herod had him put in prison and and in the morning he was on death row going to be executed the next morning and Peter wasn't up pacing back and forth in that jail cell. He laid down and went to sleep and he was sleeping so sound that when the angel came to get him out, the Bible said he smote him on the side, had to wake him up, said, get up, Peter, we're busting out of here tonight. That's, That's Rick Hensley translation. Praise God. But my point is he had peace. 
peace. He knew God was in control of his life and in that situation. And Jesus said in John 14, 27, he said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. God will give you his peace. Amen. He will give you his peace. And then verse verse number six. Amen. He said, he said, uh, I will not be afraid. David said, I'll not be afraid. This is, this is what all happened when he changed his focus. He said, I'll not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me. In other words, God will relieve you of all of your fears. If God be for us, saints, who can be against us? There is more that are with us than there are that be with them. God wants to alleviate you of all of your fears. Hallelujah. Put your trust in Him. And then last of all, God's going to fight for you. God's going to defeat your enemies. And David found that out to be the fact. In verse 7 and 8, he said, Oh my God, for you have smitten all my enemies upon the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. You see what David's saying there? He was saying, I know this thing's going to turn out in victory. He had prayed it through. God had lifted his head. The Lord had become his glory. The Lord was shielding him. And he said, I know that God is going to fight this battle for me. I can imagine David thinking back. You know, well, when he stood before Goliath, he told Goliath, hey, I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. The battle is not mine, but the battle is God's. And David still got that same peace and assurance here so many years later. He was saying, the battle is the Lord's. God's going to smite my enemies on the cheekbone. You know what he's saying? God's going to give them the knockout punch. Hallelujah. God's going to give my enemies the knock. I'm not talking about hitting somebody or punching somebody out. But I'm going to tell you what. Jesus has already given the knockout punch to the devil. Come on, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. He said, God, you've broken the teeth of the ungodly. I read that and I thought, you know what? That's exactly what Jesus did. The Bible says that Satan walks about, the devil, our adversary, walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I heard somebody say it one time. You know what? If if he's seeking whom he may devour, he's as a roaring lion. But if he ever got a hold of you, all he can do is gum you because 2,000 years ago, Jesus knocked his teeth out. Praise God. Somebody ought to say amen tonight. Hallelujah. I'm trying to tell you that the Lord has already provided for us the victory in our life that we need. Hallelujah. And no matter what the situation may be, the Lord is on your side. And David ends this psalm by saying, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. And I can tell you, ladies and gentlemen, you can rest assured tonight that if you are one of His, if you belong to Jesus Christ, if you've been saved, and you've made Him, Jesus, the Lord of your life. I mean, really, you've repented of your sin. You've made Him your Lord and Savior. You're a child of God. I can assure you that if you are one of His, that He is going to fight your battles. He is going to bless your life. He's going to help you through every difficult situation. You can trust Him with everything tonight. Amen? He's the lifter of your head. Let Him lift your head. Let Him encourage you. Let Him bless you tonight. Amen. Walk with your head high, praising and giving glory to the Lord, and watch Him bring you through your impossible situation.